Welcome to Catalyst at Home. Uh, so glad you are joining us today, wherever you are tuning in from. Uh, if you are part of Catalyst Church, you know this. Typically, we are gathered uh, on Sunday morning at the Bethesda Hotel, uh, right in Bethesda, Maryland at 9, 30, 11, 15. And today, uh, they had an event scheduled that was uh, well in advance of us uh, during this weekend. We were unable to hold weekend services, but the good news is... Uh, for the remainder of the year, to our knowledge, uh, there are no more events to interfere with us gathering together. And next Sunday, we will be back at the Bethesda Hotel. I want to invite you, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, to come join us at the Bethesda Hotel at 9, 30, 11, 15. Uh, if you're unable to or you're out of town, uh, we'll be streaming during those times as well. Well, church, as you probably heard, our pursuit night that was scheduled for tonight uh, was unfortunately had to be canceled due to inclement weather. Uh, that is one thing this time of year we cannot control, and we, are, we care about your safety. Uh, we truly believe in the power of gathering to worship and pray, uh, but we also want to make sure we can do so in a safe manner. So uh, out of an abundance of caution, given the weather, we are not going to gather tonight for Pursuit Night. But the good news is we will be back in person next Sunday at the Bethesda Hotel. It's going to be a great, great Sunday next Sunday. I also want to mention this weekend is special because it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Of course, tomorrow we celebrate his life. And I want to encourage you, church, as uh, he was a man of God who clearly brought great change in our nation, in our world. Uh, take a moment uh, between today and tomorrow to to read up about his life, to uh, if you have children, talk about his life with your children, the significance of what he did, truly exemplifying, living out, uh, really even as we talk as a church, um, he was a catalyst of change um, in our nation, in our world, and we are grateful uh, for that change that Martin Luther King Jr. brought about. You know, one of my favorite quotes from him is that, uh, faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. Uh, he was a man of faith, uh, and he took steps of faith without seeing the whole staircase uh, so that we could have greater degrees of equality and justice in our nation. And uh, Clearly, we have not arrived uh, to, to justice in its fullest extent, and clearly there are still inequities in our culture, and we continue that work together as people of God. But we take a moment to say, Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, for what you did uh, in our country and in our worlds. Uh, also, church, uh, I want to mention a few other things happening just quickly in the life of our church. Uh, we are entering week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you have not jumped in, take a moment to still jump in. Uh, listen, 14 days of fasting is pow more powerful than no days of fasting. So even if you're a week behind, jump in, go on our website. We have resources there to help you. Uh, I pray, church, that you are having uh, just great times with the Lord during these 21 days. I know this first week has been refreshing for myself personally. Um, also, next Sunday, the 23rd, uh, we are having Next Steps. If you uh, are newer to Catalyst or maybe you're new last year and you have not come to Next Steps, 
Uh, make it your uh, plan. Uh, Pre-decide now to come to Next Steps next Sunday after our 11:15 service. Uh, you can find out more about how you can grow spiritually and get connected here at Catalyst. I'd love to see you there. Children's ministry will be provided as well as lunch during that time. And then lastly, I know it's a lot going on in life with our church. Uh, on the 30th of January, uh, we are uh, celebrating our third birthday as a church. Can you believe we're turning three years old? A lot's happened in three years, uh, but we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness. Uh, it's going to be a fun Sunday. Listen, that's a Sunday you do not want to miss. If you have plans, just cancel them. If you're getting married that day, just push the date back a little bit. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's also going to be a great Sunday to bring someone in your life to church who doesn't have a home church, to bring someone in your life who does not know the hope of Jesus. It'll be a great, great Sunday as we celebrate. We're going to have some fun elements. Uh, we're rolling out a new environment for our kids called the Fun Zone. And yes, it does sound as fun as it sounds. Uh, it is as fun as it sounds. It's going to be a great time for our, our next gen. We'll have some fun elements, sweet treat after service, a very celebratory day. And uh, I truly hope, uh, listen, if, if you call Catalyst home and maybe you haven't been back to gather with us at the Bethesda Hotel, I want to invite you that Sunday to join us. Um, and uh, maybe you're newer to Catalyst. That's a great Sunday to join us, bring someone with you as we celebrate together. But I'm excited today to dive in. We are in part number three of our series, Play the Long Game. Uh, this series kicked off, uh, and really just to give context to this series, uh, this time of year, we tend to be uh, New Year's resolutions focused, and oftentimes our resolutions can be short-term focused, meaning one year, two years. Like, I'm going to lose, you know, 10 pounds this year. I'm going to read 20 books this year. I'm going to, again, fill in the blank, run a marathon this year. And those are great, and you should have those. But in this series, we want to discuss what are some practices um, that not only will benefit our lives today or this year, but will benefit our life, uh, benefit us for a lifetime. The first week, Christina shared about prayer and fasting and the power of that in our lives. And uh, clearly we're experiencing that right now. And then last week I discussed seeking God first and really going all in with God and having a regular time with God where you carve out with Him, but really being wholeheartedly devoted to God. And I said this last week, I'm going to share it this week again, and I'll probably share it the next several weeks. Um, if you are maybe newer to Catalyst or maybe if you've casually attended or casually tuned in for some time, can I challenge you in 2022, go all in with Catalyst Church. Um, not even for the church's benefit, for your benefit. And if Catalyst Church is not your home church, go all in with your home church. We'd love for it to be here. What I mean is this, uh, is when you're in town, like gather with us as a church. Or if you're out of town or unable to gather, then, then tune in online. Um, Get planted by attending Next Steps and join a community group when they launch in February and begin using your gifts to serve on our dream team. Like Go all in, because here's what I believe truly. Um, it will bless your life. It would truly be better for you. And if it's not at the end of the year, you can come talk to me and I'll apologize, but I truly believe that church. I truly, I have benefited from being a part of a local church and I know that you will as well. And uh, I believe Catalyst is a great church, a great family to be a part of. Uh, but today I want to dive into part three of our series. And um, before we dive into the content of today's message, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. We posture our hearts and minds to receive from you today. It is in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, well, today our, our topic of conversation um, 
And I want to give a caveat. Some of you might be tempted to tune me out as soon as I say this. But listen, I'm telling you, this, I believe this message from God will help you. We're going to talk about the power of integrity, of integrity, uh, living a truly wholehearted life. You know, the, the word integrity, uh, when you look at the, the English definition of it, of uh, a Webster's, you'll look at either a, a state of moral excellence or perfection um, or a state of wholeness, right? It's an integrated life. And it's something that we see that is, is all throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. Uh, and it says, in fact, the Old Testament word for integrity, the Hebrew word, uh, literally means the condition of being without blemish, completeness, perfection, sincerity, soundness, uprightness, and wholeness. In the New Testament, the word integrity means honesty and adherence to a pattern of good works. Now, let me say this off the bat. Perfection is an impossibility. Come on, I just freed somebody up right now. Like, it is impossible to be morally perfect. That's why we need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but however, Jesus himself said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning his right way of living. So there is a standard that God calls us to. Why? Because there's a blessing when we walk in righteousness. There's a blessing when we live a life of integrity. So it's not that we're trying to achieve a state of moral perfection. We are trying to live, I want you to catch this, wholeheartedly devoted to God. And the, the fruit of, the result of a wholehearted life to God is a life where you are growing in righteousness, that you are growing in, in morality, you're, you're growing in holiness. Again, it's not something to attain perfection, but something that we live out with the help and the power and the grace of God in the Holy Spirit. So today I want to share with you about this topic of integrity. I truly believe, and here's my hope, uh, you walk away with some practicals of how you can live a greater uh, a life of, of greater integrity and how you can walk and be truly um, an example or a witness of Christ's goodness and Christ's work on the inside of you. Let me share with you first, though, three benefits of integrity that we see in Scripture. And then we're going to dive into the context. I want to kind of frame up the message today. Uh, the first benefit that we see in Scripture is actually peace, that peace comes with integrity. Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. What this passage means is that when you are actually walking in integrity, meaning your life is integrated, you're the same person at work that you are at church, that you are at home. You're the same person with your friends as you are with your co-workers and then your uh, fellow church members, that you live an integrated life. Here's what this means, that when you live an integrated life, you sleep more soundly, <laughs> that you have more peace. Why? Because you're not afraid of being found out that you're able to, to be at peace and have the peace of God in your life. Uh, here's the second blessing that comes with integrity is wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. That word destroyed literally means to fall to one's death. That, you know, James, the brother of Jesus in the New Testament says that when that sin, when it takes root in our life, it literally leads to death. That sin relationally can destroy a marriage. That sin in your personal life can bring destruction to your integrity, to your witness, to your life. And we all probably have seen examples, maybe even personally experienced, the destructive power of sin 
uh, and the duplicity that is talked, spoken of here. But there's wisdom that comes in integrity. It guides us in life. It, it, it leads us in life. And then the last benefit is blessings. The, the, the scripture says this in Proverbs 27, the righteous lead blameless lives and blessed are their children after them. May the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed, not only are there spiritual blessings for you, not just in this life, but in eternity, there's also blessings upon your children's lives, upon the next generation. Think about men and women of integrity throughout the, the, the lifetime. Again, not perfect people, integrous people. You know, even Dr. King, we think about his life and how uh, people still look to him and the life that he's lived and how he lived out his faith, that, that, that you would live a life in such a way that when you pass from this earth, your children would say, man, dad, man, he lived an integrous life. He was a faithful man. Man, mom, she was a faithful woman. Or even if you don't have children, people around you, you would be known for being an integrous person. Like it would go down in history. You lived a life faithful to God and faithful to his way. That's my hope and my prayer for you, that you would truly, it's a way that we leave a legacy church. So we're going to look today at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a man in scripture, Daniel. In fact, at this point, he was a young boy, a youth. Uh, we're going to look at his life in Daniel chapter 1 and how he truly lived a life of integrity. Also, if you're, you're joining us in our fast, many of you are doing a Daniel fast, which is kind of no meats or sweets or basically it's, it's vegetables and fruits and lots of plant-based um, the Daniel fast actually comes out of this passage of Scripture because we see that Daniel, uh, he, he kind of uh, refuses, he resolves not to defile himself with uh, the king's choice of food. Um, but, uh, but Daniel, in this context, he was uh, invited really into to Babylon, into the kingdom. Uh, to give context, what had happened was Israel's leaders had turned away from God. And the consequence of them returning, really moving away from God was... Uh, that God's hand came off their life. The blessing of God came off their life and they began to uh, then be attacked and Babylon invaded them and, and, and Persia invaded them and they began to uh, lose control of their country. And then what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, what he did was he chose uh, some choice young men uh, from Israel that he wanted to, uh, these Hebrew young men uh, really were boys, about 14, 15 years old, um, who really exemplified physical uh, health, but also intellectual prowess. And he chose them to be in his service, and Daniel was one of them. And he, he invites Daniel to come into his service. So here's Daniel uh, in, in, in Babylon in a kingdom that's not of his own. They don't believe what he believes. They don't follow what he follows. In fact, they change his name. Uh, they give him a new name. They teach him Babylonian way. And here he is, but Daniel makes a decision in chapter, in chapter 1, verse 8, uh, where he really kind of makes a stand. And here we see Daniel begin to live a life of integrity, a wholeheartedness to who he was and what he believed. It says this in the scripture in verse 8 of chapter 1, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. The king had offered to give his food and wine to uh, these young boys. He asked the chief official, uh, for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid the Lord, the king, who has assigned food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than other men, young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. See, here's what they believed. Um, they believed that the rich food, the meats and the sweets and the wine, actually made you 
healthier. Come on. Some of you want to believe today, come on somebody, that steak, cake, and wine will make you healthier. Come on. They really believe that. Just to give context, it shows how sometimes the ways of culture uh, can actually be a detriment to us, even though they might think it's beneficial, it's actually destructive. They believed it was better for them, so they were like, why are we going to give you just vegetables and water? Why would we not give you this food? Because this food is going to make you make you healthier. And we're going to talk about why Daniel decided not to do that. He says, please test your servants. I'm sorry, uh, Daniel then said to the guard of whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, um, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and more nourished than any of the men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables and said, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time, set by the king to bring them into this service, a chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king King talked with them, and he found them more, none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom, understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Here we see, because of Daniel's integrity, he experiences favor and the wisdom of God. He is, enters into king's service, and he finds none better than Daniel and his three friends. I want to share with you three uh, qualities, three aspects of Daniel's life that I want us to grab hold of to live a life of integrity today. And here's the first one, uh, is how do we live a life of integrity? How do we live a whole life? Is that we have to have a different set of standards, God's standards. See, see, Daniel decided not to defile himself, and here's why. There's two reasons scholars presume. Clearly, we don't know exactly why he refused the king's food. But there's two reasons we know contextually might be. Uh, the first is this, that their food that they ate more than likely included pork, which was against Levitical law. Um, secondly, uh, it was food sacrificed to idols, which was, again, against Daniel's uh, personal conviction to eat of food that was uh, sacrificed to idols. The second reason, people say, scholars presume, and most say it's a second reason more Likely, the reason he did not eat the food was because by saying yes to the king's food, he was essentially declaring allegiance to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, over God. And that was a line Daniel was unwilling to cross. Why? Because Daniel lived according to a different set of standards in life. Daniel did not live according to the Babylonian way. He lived according to God's way. And he was, he was maintaining his allegiance to God. And here's the reality that we as the people of God, we are called to live according to a different set of standards. I know standards can sound very formal, but really what I'm talking about is the word of God and the ways of God, that we are called not to, to lower our standard according to culture, but to maintain a high standard according to God's word. I often think about this with my children when they encounter various things throughout life, whether it's at school or maybe it's a situation they come up with where uh, 
they have a conversation with somebody and they wonder, you know, Dad, like, this is what they said, but what do we believe? My kids, especially Hannah and Judah, are of the age. They'll come home from school and they'll ask me, Dad, what do we believe? Dad, what, what, do, we, what, what do you have to say about this? And I love it because they come back to me and say, man, what, what's our standard? What's, what's the Burroughs way? You know, we have, we have Burroughs family values. We have Burroughs things that we teach them uh, and we align them with God's way. But can I tell you that we as a people of God, as we encounter different cultural topics and, and different philosophies and theories and ideologies and thoughts that are proposed, as a person of God, we should run that filter all the time through God's word. What does God have to say about that? That that is the way. But here's the reality. Daniel was facing pressure in Babylon to conform into the cultural pattern. The reality is we all face pressure, right? We all face cultural pressure. Come on, if you're in school right now, you probably face some peer pressure. Even as adults, we face peer pressure. I remember years ago, I was a... a uh, young adult, kind of uh, late teens, early 20s. And I remember one particular time feeling peer pressure um, to, end, to drink alcohol underage. And then people around me were even engaging in some illicit drugs. I'll never forget the moment. This one evening, I was, I was drinking alcohol. And I knew in my mind, I shouldn't be drinking alcohol right now. I'm like not of age and I'm drinking way too much. And the people around me were engaging in illicit drugs. And I was thinking to myself, like, I shouldn't be here. Like, what am I doing? Like, I know better than this. I'd given in to pressure. And maybe you can recall a time that you've given in to pressure. And that can happen even now culturally as adults. We can, we can give in to the pressure of kind of keeping up with others around us, maybe by our standard of living or size of house or the clothes we wear, or the car that we drive. Or uh, we can give in to our standard and culture, you know, the, the kind of... <laughs> The, the standard pace of our culture uh, is excessively busy. Come on. Uh, the state of our culture is tired, right? Because we, we, can, we can find ourselves maybe feeling pressured. I mean, I got I to gotta stay busy. I got I to gotta work seven days a week. I got to have my kids in these various activities. And we can find ourselves feeling this pressure, maybe even in your work environment. There can be pressure. Maybe there's some ethical lines that are crossed. Maybe there's gossip in the culture of your work. And you can feel pressure at times which is natural, but as the people of God, to not conform to the pressure around us. And listen, I understand, and listen, there's no condemnation if you give in to those moments, but I believe God has better for us. You know, Paul in Romans 12 spoke to the Roman church who were facing pressures because Rome at that time lived a very different way than the ways of God, and he gave them this encouragement. I urge you, catch the language, I urge you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conform literally means to be molded. It's like somebody has a mold, come on, and they, they mold you, come on, that they, they, they kind of form you into this mold. As I was thinking of this, I was thinking as a kid, one of the things I loved to play with as a child was Play-Doh. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else surprised that Play-Doh is still around? It's kind of stood the test of time. My kids love Play-Doh. Now they have all types of Play-Doh, like they have foam, you know, this like, 
stretchy foam and they have uh, slime and all these kind of ways of things you can mold. But why I love Play-Doh, I like to have some, some Play-Doh-like substance today. This is actually Play-Doh's foam. They have this kind of, kind of stretchy foam that's kind of like Play-Doh that you can... But what I loved about it was that you could, you, know, you could ball it up. You can shape it into different shapes. You, know, you could ball it up. And I remember back when I was a kid, I would actually take the Play-Doh and I had these different molds. I had one mold that was like a dinosaur, like a T-Rex, and one mold that was like a car, and, and one mold that was like an like a elephant. And I could stick the Play-Doh in the mold, and, and literally the Play-Doh would take whatever shape of the mold it was in. And as people of God, we have to be careful that we're not like Play-Doh, <laughs> that we, do, we, do, we don't conform to the mold of this world, that we don't conform to the patterns of our workplace, that we don't conform to the cultural norms, but we are transformed by the Spirit of God, by the renewing of our mind, with the Word of God, that we're transformed from the inside out. To be conformed happens from the outside in. It's a pressure upon us, but when we're transformed by the Spirit of God, we are transformed from the inside out. It's not be conformed. It's not be conformed to be transformed, to live a, a, a transforming life. Is there any way that you have been conformed to the patterns of this culture? Let me ask you this. Jesus said this, that we are to be the light of the world, that we're to stand out by the integrous life that we live. We're to stand out for the way we love people and serve people. Do you stand out or do you blend in? Do you, do you stand out in your workplace or do you blend it? Do you stand out amongst others? And again, I'm not saying in the kind of this weird way that you walk around waving a Bible out. No, but, but by the exemplary behavior, the way that you're kind and gracious and forgiving and self-controlled and loving, are you standing out? Because there are cultural patterns that are trying to conform us. And we live in a culture right now, I want to share a few of these, of some patterns to be careful not to be conformed to. There's a cultural pattern right now that says, um, be respectful of other people unless they vote differently than you or think differently than you, right? Have you seen this over the past several years? That, that on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of different matters, whether Republican or Democrat or, or someone who's saying that, you know, uh, the, the, even the, the vaccine arguments or the mask arguments. Again, I'm not making any sort of statement on what you should do. But what I'm saying is this, regardless of where you stand or your opinion, which I think it's good to have an opinion on these matters. Wherever you stand, no one ever has the right to be rude and disrespectful to somebody else because of the stand that they take. Because the Bible says this. See, see, the culture says you can disrespect and dishonor them. But the Bible says be kind and tenderhearted. That we see throughout the New Testament this thread where Jews and Gentiles were, uh, were very uh, rude towards each other. And commonly, Jesus and Paul often reminding the church, hey, listen, there's neither no more Jew or Gentile. You are one in Christ Jesus, that we represent King Jesus. See, our culture will say this too. Hey, what's true for you is true for you. That truth is relative. Like, you do you. Like, if you don't believe, that's okay. You, you believe what you want to believe. But listen, the Bible says there's a truth that sets us free. Listen, I want, you, I want you to hear this. There is an absolute truth. It's the Word of God, and that's the truth that sets us free. 
It's not love to say, hey, whatever is true for you, let it be true for you. No, love is saying, man, you can walk in freedom by knowing the real truth. Our culture, what's, what's common in our culture is people will be more aligned with a political ideology than anything else. But here's the reality. We are called as the people of God to align ourselves with biblical theology. And listen, regardless of however you vote, your theology, true biblical theology, at, at various points will, will rub against Republican ideology and Democrat ideology. It doesn't matter which one. Are you aligning yourself with the Word of God? We are called to have a different type of center. We're called to not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As a part of a different standard, also be careful that we don't compare ourselves with each other. You know, the Apostle Paul said this, We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. It's a lot of themselves. Paul says eventually, essentially, it's, it's, it's unwise to compare yourself. And here's the reality. It is human nature to compare ourselves. And sometimes we can justify our lack of integrity. We can justify sin in our life because, well, I'm not as bad as that person, right? We, 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 can, we, can, we can say to ourselves, well, yeah, I know I look at pornography, but at least I don't cheat on my spouse. At least I'm not having sex with somebody who's not my my spouse, or we can say, well, man, I, I know I cross some ethical lines at work, but at least I'm not laundering money. I, I know I talk behind their back, but at least I'm not saying it to their face. I, I know I haven't forgiven them, but at least I'm not being mean to them. I, I know that sometimes I occasionally cross a line with my drinking, but at least I'm not recklessly drunk. And we can begin to justify our disobedience and sin and lack of integrity. And please hear this, there's no condemnation at all. Like, like none of us are righteousness without Christ. But listen, I'm calling us to better. Who other sun sets free is free indeed. We're gonna get to this. God has freedom for you. God has blessing on the other side of you, walking in wholeness and walking in integrity. You know, this is, this is human nature. Just the other day with my, my children, I was telling my kids, hey, no more snacks for right now because dad's making dinner. And my, my daughter, Hannah, she walked into the pantry and got one of her, these kids' protein bars they have. And I said, Hannah, I remember I said, no more snacks. She said, well, hey, well, Judah had two of them. In other words, Dad, I'm disobeying you, but, man, Judah, he was really bad. He had two of these. I said, Hannah, Judah was wrong in that as well. Doesn't, doesn't, but, but two wrongs don't make a, a right, right? I know it's cliche, but it's true. And listen, be careful that we're not falling into that pattern of comparing ourselves and justifying ourselves. We're called to have a different set of standards. Number two is this, is that Daniel had a deep resolve to not compromise. This word resolve, to not defile himself, that word defile literally means to stain. Can I, can I confess to you for a moment? Um, your boy that you're looking at right now, I, I repeatedly uh, spill coffee and drop food on myself. Uh, it is a problem I have. I have ruined shirts. Um, my dry cleaner knows this. I go in and about every other time I come to the dry cleaner, hey, I got a spot right here. Um, I, I just, that's the way. I, my father was the same way. I kind of, it's inherited. Um, but what, what this means is not just a stain. A stain on your clothing, you can wash out or replace that shirt. But, but a stain on your character can last. A stain on your character uh, can negatively impact you in many ways. And he resolved not to stain his character. That word resolve literally means to have a deep inner resolve. It was this deep decision. 
And I think Daniel, the reason he had this deep resolve was because he had a vision that actually on the other side of his integrity was blessing. On the other side of his integrity was favor. On the other side of his integrity was wisdom. So he was able to have this deep resolve. And in order for us to have proper motivation to not compromise, we need to have a proper vision. Paul wrote this in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. In other words, like have a heavenly perspective. And what you need in order to live a life of integrity is you need a vision from God. You need to understand and have the proper vision of what a life of integrity on the other side of integrity, what God has for you in this life and the life to come. Now, I was thinking of proper motivation just the other night. My oldest daughter, Hannah, is selling Girl Scout cookies right now. Help me, Jesus. She's selling Samoas in the midst of a fast. Uh, but on the other hand, at dinner, she was telling us about all the things she could, she could win by selling boxes of cookies. Like if I sell 50 boxes, I get a badge. If I sell 100 boxes, I get a poppet. If I sell 200 boxes, I get this art kit. And there's, there's one gift she has, she wanted, this one prize, at 300 boxes. Like, this girl is motivated. Like, she's got some vision. Like, she's going to sell some cookies, people, okay? So if she tries to sell you cookies, that's why. She's motivated. Like, she was trying to get me to buy more cookies the other night. She's like, Dad, can you buy more cookies for us? I was like, girl, slow down. But what, she's motivated. She's got a vision. And you need a vision for your life. You need a vision of you being free from that sin that has, that has bothered you, plagued you for years of your life. You need to have a vision of your marriage thriving on the other side of you walking with integrity. You have to have a vision, man, that God's going to bless me. His hand will be upon my life. The more that I walk in alignment with his word, the more blessing I'm going to see in my life. You need to have a vision on the other side of your integrity is the wisdom of God. You need to have a vision on the other side of your integrity is the favor of God upon your life. So that vision can keep you moving forward. I heard a story recently of this a uh, leader who was telling me that anytime he ever felt tempted to have a breach of integrity, he would keep a, a card in his wallet of, of that, what that breach of integrity would cost him and his relationship and his leadership and all of these things, his family, his marriage, all of these things that a breach of integrity could cost him. What was he doing? He was envisioning himself on the side of like, man, you know that, that scripture, you're destroyed by your duplicity? Like, you need to have a vision, man. If I, if I choose to break my integrity, here's what I could lose. Here's how the enemy could destroy me. And if I choose to live in integrity, here's how God wants to bless me. You got to have a vision to have the right motivation. And then you have to have the discipline. 1 Timothy 4, 8, Paul says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise to both the present life and the life to come. Paul often correlates physical discipline with spiritual discipline. Uh, one, one context, he, he writes about the runner and, and how you know, he kind of beats his body into submission. This whole idea of like disciplining your body, disciplining yourself, your spirit for the sake of Christ. And I think once you have the proper vision of a life of integrity, you need to have the discipline. And let me just give you a practical application of what a disciplined life spiritually looks like. And I, I think we could have a whole message on this. So let me just share with you one thought. Now, what it looks like is you making a pre-decision or a pre-determination to do and not do certain things. You know, I, I've read years ago, I heard rather, about Michael Phelps. Come on, from the state of Maryland. Let's go, somebody. 
Uh, he is, you know, known as the greatest male swimmer ever in Olympic history. And uh, there was this story about him on uh, TV that I watched some years ago. And it was sharing how in the four years of training for the Olympics, like every single day, his, his diet, his meals, his training, his schedule was predetermined. Meaning when he would get up on Tuesday morning, he didn't think to himself, man, I'm feeling like bacon and eggs and a donut. No, he was like, I know exactly what I'm eating, what exactly I need. It was predetermined months ago of what I'm going to eat. He, he, when, when he gets up on Thursday after morning, he's not thinking to himself, man, I don't feel like going to the pool today. No, he predecided long before Thursday morning, I hit the pool. He was like hours in the pool on Thursday morning, hours in the pool on Thursday afternoon. Like he, he predetermined, he predecided. Why? Because he had a vision. When you get that vision of what life integrity will do for you, you got to predetermine. Here's what it looks like. Predecide. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Like I'm, 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 I'm scheduling it before I take that meeting, before I have breakfast. But I'm, I'm, I'm predetermining. I'm going to predecide. I'm going to gather with my church family. I'm going to predecide. I'm going to get into a community group. Listen, predecide now. You're going to join a community group in February. Why? Because a part of walking a life of integrity is having healthy accountability. We'll talk more about that uh, in the coming weeks. But, 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 but to, to live this life that God has for you, you need relationships predetermined. Predetermined that, that you're not going to go certain places. There are certain places that you go. Listen, let me just say this just, just directly but lovingly, pastorally. There are some places you go. There are some things you watch. There are some websites you visit. There are some apps you use. There are some people you spend time with that you are more tempted to sin, more tempted to break your integrity around. Maybe for you, it's, it's scrolling on Instagram. Uh, maybe it's watching movies past a certain rating that you know are going to have certain scenes that are going to trigger some things. Maybe it's being around certain people who don't live ethical lives that, that it will trigger. You're more tempted. You're more drawn in. Maybe it's certain environments that you go into that you just feel more tempted to be dishonest, more tempted to give into pressure. Like, here's my advisement to you, just a word of, of wisdom. Like, if at all possible, avoid those situations. Avoid those moments. I remember hearing a story years ago of a man who, uh, he was attracted to a woman at work, and he was a married man. So he intentionally, like, would, would walk around the office, like, a, the longer way to avoid interactions with her for a period. Why? Because he was like, man, I don't want to face a temptation. Right now, I need to protect myself to, to face any temptation. I know some of you are thinking, man, Jeremy, that, that's, that's, that's radical. Jeremy, that's, that's old-fashioned. Can I tell you? It's wisdom. If it means that you're not going to break your integrity, that you're not going to be destroyed by your duplicity to protect this area of your life, you have to pre-decide. What pre-decisions do you need to make? Maybe put some filters on your devices. Uh, pre-decide so that you're saying, listen, I'm not going to go to certain websites, do certain... Like you got to pre-decide. Have someone who's going to maybe... Maybe your issues with money where you have some breach of integrity with money. So you have someone who you give access to your bank account to say, hey, like, you, you can keep me accountable in this area of my life. Or, man, pre-decide. That's what discipline looks like. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. And whatever you do for God, that, that it's never in vain. There's benefit, there's fruit, there's blessing tied to it. Stand firm. That word stand firm means to be immovable. Have you ever met someone who was immovable about something? Come on. They, they, they were firm. Like nothing could shake them. 
Like that's what Paul's saying. Like, be, 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 have this deep resolved. Be immovable. Be unshakable. Have a deep resolve to not compromise. And the third and final point is this: is have a dependence on God. Have a dependence on God. We see Daniel; he was depending on God. Here he was in a Babylonian kingdom. He wasn't a priest in the temple. He was in a, a kingdom that was, that was living contrary to the ways of God, but yet he depended on God because promotion, as the Bible says, does not come from the north, south, east, west. It comes from God. It comes from God. And he knew that. And he lived a life in such a way that he, he was dependent on God. He was saying, I'm going to trust you, God, for your blessing, your favor, your wisdom in my life. He lived out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You know what truly, remember years ago, a pastor told me this, that you're not truly submitting until you disagree or you're unsure. I want you to let that sink in. That, that when we submit to God, when we agree with things in God's word, like those are easy to say yes to God. But in those moments where we're like, ha, oh, this doesn't make full sense. I don't fully understand. Listen, can I tell you, you don't have to understand to trust. Trusting, in fact, when you trust someone, it's like I don't fully know what's going to happen on the other side of this, but I trust in your character. I trust in your word. And can I tell you, God is a person who is trustworthy. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. No one is more trustworthy than God. You can trust his word. You know that word to trust in the Lord with all of your heart literally means to fully depend, to put your full weight upon God. And you can do so in trusting in God like Daniel did to experience the blessing and the favor of God in your life. You know, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out for you to endure it. Here's what I want to share with you. Is that you can trust in God. And also, listen, the Spirit of God will empower you that whatever you face. Because here's a reality. To live a life of integrity, you cannot do it on your own. You will, you will fall flat on your face in your own efforts. This message is not, hey, go will this and make it happen. This is a depend on the Spirit of God for it to happen. There's a part you play. There, there's a part you play. There's a living according to the ways of God. There's a pre-decisions you make, but you depend on God. Paul said, it's in my weakness, God, that your strength is perfected. So I boast all the more in my weakness. Can I tell you, God is willing and able always to help you in time of need. That in those moments that you feel overwhelmed by temptation, you feel overwhelmed by the circumstance, you say, God, I cannot live this life of integrity. God, I feel too weak. He is there by his spirit to strengthen you and empower you to walk it out. Can I tell you also super practically ways he does that? Well, one, through prayer. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Man, lean into God in prayer and fasting. That's a way he can strengthen you and empower you. Secondly, is to his people. Man, listen, you cannot do this life of following Jesus alone. You were never intended to. You were never called to. In fact, can I say this boldly, but it's biblical. You cannot. You cannot follow Jesus without God's people. Why? Because this is the way that God has designed it. And people can support you and help you and strengthen you and empower you so that you can live the life that God has for you. Here's my final scripture. Because hearing all this, 
by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, by making predecisions, by living according to God's standard, by having a deep inner resolve and a vision that gives proper motivation as you live a life of integrity. Here's the reality. You're still human. And you'll still have moments where you fall and you fail. But here's the good news. In fact, Paul wrote in Romans 3.23 that all fall short of the glory of God. Meaning even in your best efforts, you still will not achieve moral perfection. Come on. Did that free somebody up? Some of you who are type A, uh, I relate to this. You're like, man, I I was really hoping to achieve perfection. But I hope it frees you up. It doesn't mean we don't... We don't attempt. It doesn't mean we don't predecide. It doesn't mean we don't try to live a life of integrity because there's blessing, there's peace, there's wisdom, there's favor on the other side of it. However, when we fall short, we don't have to beat ourselves up. We don't have to, have to punish ourselves. Why? Because the Bible says we all fall short. That righteousness, Romans 3.22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That, that where there's a gap, Between integrity and us, God fills it in so that we can still maintain a right relationship with God. You know, my son Judah, um, he has just started a basketball season. And he immediately loved basketball. We got him a hoop for Christmas, and um, he loves to play. And on uh, Saturday, we were out, we were playing. Uh, His his sister had a a practice, so we kind of shot on the side basket. And uh, every time he would shoot, you know, he's six years old and, he, you know, he's, he's learning to shoot and the proper strength and, you know, strength comes from your legs. So, so uh, many times his shot will fall, fall short. And it's not because he's not trying. It's not because he's not working on it, not because he's not improving, but because he's six. So what I'll, I'll do as a dad, probably not the best way to teach him how to shoot, but it's a way to have fun with him. I'll act like he actually passed. So he'll shoot it and I'll like tip it in. Like almost like an alley oop, <laughs> and and I'll be like Judah, that's awesome. Like you know, and I'll kind of cheer cheer him on, and you know he's working on a shot, but I, but I fill in the gap where he he falls short. And can I tell you, the same is with God our Father because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and me. That where we fall short, He fills in the gap. That that where 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 we say, man, I I really tried, but I slipped up and I gave in. I I, I crossed the line. And he still fills in the gap for us. Pick yourself back up and continue to live a wholehearted, devoted life to God. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's got forgiveness for you and a full life for you to live. Somebody challenge you and close with this. I'm going to give you a practice, some some practical application. For some of you, you need to decide in your heart, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to devote and live a life according to God's word. I've done it my way, but I'm going to now live according to his way. You need to make that decision today and begin to have his standards, not culture standards, not your workplace standards, not comparing yourself to others, but his standard be your standard. For others of you, you need to pre-decide. Maybe get a vision for what life looks like on the other side of of integrity and pre-decide. What are some pre-decisions you need to make in 2022? Okay, I'm going to get up and read my Bible every day. I mean, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to get planted in a local church. I'm going to get in part of a community group. I'm not going to go the places I went in 2022 where I I fell short. I'm not going to watch these certain shows or movies. I'm not going to open these certain apps. I'm not going to spend time with these people. Why? Because I'm I'm pre-deciding to live a life of integrity. And then lastly, don't do it on your own. Man, depend on God. Say, Holy Spirit, help me, empower me to live a life that you're calling me to live. And then lean into other people, the people of God who can support you and pray for you and be there for you during this time. 
Church, I want to pray with two groups as we close today. And uh, the first is this. If you're here, and I want to pray with you, if you would just simply say, acknowledge across the, the screen here, I, I want to grow in integrity. Here's what I know. Let's just be honest. None of us have arrived. None of us are morally perfect. So here's the reality. All of us need to grow in our integrity. All of us, at least some of us, can grow. But I want you to acknowledge that in your heart, to be humble enough before God and say, I need to grow in my integrity. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin to walk in greater integrity in 2022. And then I'm going to pray for a second group, uh, for those of you who, if you're watching and you've never committed your life to Jesus or you feel far from God, I want to pray with you as well uh, to surrender your life to Jesus. So first, let's pray with that second first group, and then we'll pray with that second group. So Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for those who, Lord, we acknowledge we have room to grow. God, we know that you're not mad at us, upset with us, disappointed in us, but you love us. And I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would empower these people, every person listening, every person watching, God, to, to, to walk in greater degrees of integrity, to experience more of your blessing, your favor, your wisdom, your peace in their life. And in 2022, it's in Jesus' name. Father, for those, I pray right now, for those who are coming their life to Jesus, I want you to do this actually. Repeat this prayer after me right where you are. This is a declaration of our faith in Jesus. It says this, say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and giving your life for me. I believe you rose again. I confess you, Lord, of my life. I ask you to lead me and you guide me as I repent of my sin and turn towards you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, well, congratulations if you made that decision today. We'd love to know about it. That online connection card, uh, you'll see in the chat area. In fact, if you're um, new to Catalyst, we'd love for you to fill that out as well. We'd love to know you, connect with you. Um, you can fill that out. Mark that you committed your life to Christ. We'd love to send you a resource, help you grow in your faith. Uh, we're so excited for you. Uh, church, we're going to transition now into a time of worship with the bringing of our tithes and giving of our offering. You'll see on the screen below ways that you can give here at Catalyst, our safe and secure website. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your consistency and your generosity, church. You're such a generous, uh, generous church. And uh, I want to make mention uh, of today's message of integrity. One of the ways we live in integrity is living faithful to God's word, uh, especially in the area of our giving. Uh, you know, God's Word teaches us to be tithers, to bring the first 10% back to God uh, at His house, the church, to be generous people. And I'm going to challenge you in 2022 to become a more generous person, to trust God in your finances and see that He will not bless you because of it. Amen. Well, hey, church, as we close today, if you're new with us, we're so excited you joined us today. And uh, we'd love for you to fill out that connection card uh, there in the chat area. I'd love to connect with you. Anyway, we can help to serve you uh, wherever you are. Uh, if you're in the Washington, D.C. metro area, join us next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday as we uh, are gathering once again at the Bethesda Hotel. It's going to be a great, great time as a church uh, to gather together again as we are in part four of our play the Long Game series. And again, if you have not come to Next Steps, make plans next Sunday to come to Next Steps after our 1115 service. Church, we love you so much. Thank you for joining us today, and we cannot wait to see you next Sunday.